Hola, ¿cómo estás? Mis amigos. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, real exciting, like, random stuff, but the Lord is just doing so much awesome stuff. So, today we have um, Spanish translating happening for our service in the foyer. So, that's just... And it literally, like, 20 seconds just kind of happened, and it was just amazing. So, uh, yeah. So, anyone want to go to Spanish church? We can do that. Okay. So, uh, big, okay, so last week we had men's retreat, and it was awesome, right? Guys who went, it was awesome. We had a, we had a really great time. We went to Larkspur and, and hung out and, and just spent time in the Word, just kind of soaked in Jesus, and it was awesome. So, we had such a great time. Uh, we came home and bragged about it to our wives, and uh, they're like, well, we're going to do a retreat too. So, uh, so this is the, the, the retreat that's going to be almost as good as ours. Uh, <laughs> Oh, so, <laughs> so uh, ladies, anyone did not get this today? Anyone? I have them right here. I'm going to pass out. Anyone? Anyone? Okay, so you all got one of these. This is the general information, um, and, and what we have right here is the sign-up for it. So, ladies, you can start signing up today. Um, there's, there is a, like a $50 deposit to hold your spot, so get that in as soon as possible, and on this sign-up, it says um, your name, phone number, um, and it costs $125, okay? But as we always say, do not let money be the reason why you don't come. So if you need a scholarship, you, need, you really need that, talk to Dana personally about that, okay? Um, there's a, we're trying to arrange some carpooling, and uh, if you want to help out with various parts, because you guys are going to be cooking and and uh, doing games and all kinds of other stuff. So if there's something that you personally want to, to help out with, and then sign up on that too. So the theme of this is going to be um, restore. And the verse that, that God has given Dana for this is, so after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. And so it's going to be talking a lot about going through some tough things and how God restores you through that. And I know that one part, she wants to share her testimony, which is really crazy, girls, if you've never heard it, because no one has. And so this will be like her first time really sharing her testimony in a really uh, intimate way with, with ladies. So there's 27 spots. That's it. We can't go any bigger, because they're in a, like a, this mansion we've rented. It's not, well, it's a mansion, but... Would you put that back on the... So si- sign up today if you really want to go, um, and we're going to announce it. Every- and it- what is the dates on that again? October 19th to 21st. So we don't have a ton of time, so we want to get this rolling. It's going to be amazing. And men, have all the guys in this church have already told me that we can watch the kids. Pray for us. Pray for us. Men, right? You can- we can do this. The men can man up and watch the kids. They, we will survive. We will survive. He's like, would you go get me a cup of water? Thank you. <clears throat> All right. Um, okay, so I need this today. All right. Um, I think that's all. Dana's going to do the announcement next week, but she's down in nursery today. So I am very poorly filling in for her today, doing those announcements. All right, so let's pray.
Father, I thank you for your love and your grace, and I pray that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would know that you love us even if we don't feel like we deserve that love, like we've measured up to your standard this week, like we have uh, earned it in any way. I pray that we would believe the truth of your love more than we believe uh, even what we see about our own lives today. Uh, God, because we fail so much, and we are just children who trip and fall so much. But if we could just believe that you're our loving Father, I pray that you would um, help us believe that today. Amen. Thank you. All right, I got a challenge. Who, Who wants to take a challenge? All right, here's the challenge. Who would be willing to walk around blindfolded an entire week? <laughs> like, and, and you get no, no mercy. You still have to drive to work. You still have to go to school. You still have to do everything. You have to be a mom. You have to change diapers. You have to get dressed. You have to get dressed. You have to cook breakfast and lunch and dinner. No takers? I'll give you a $5 gift card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no takers? Right. I knew there would, well, I know, I know that you would because you don't do anything except go to school and, and you would love to not see your school and your schoolwork and everything. No video games, though. Ah! Oh! He says, ah! Oh! That's not going to work, Right? Okay. Game over. That's who said that? Well done. <laughs> All right. Okay, so today we're going to be studying about light. And it's amazing how, how our vision, seeing is a really important thing for us. And light is not something that any of you would willingly give up. Like to walk in darkness for a week is not something any of you would sign up for, even for a $5 gift card. Maybe for a million dollars, you might do it. You might do it. Okay, well, I'm not offering that, so it doesn't work. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the lampstand, okay? So this is a, just a simple uh, menorah. Menorah is the Hebrew word for lampstand. Okay, so we're going to be studying the lampstand today. And there was one of these in the tabernacle. And uh, so my question is, why should you care? Why should we care? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully in a couple minutes make you care about the lampstand, okay? So in 1970, who was around in 1977? All right, you guys remember that year? And, and Debbie Boone, anyone remember Debbie Boone's song, famous song in 1977? What was it? You light up my life. Right? You carry, you give me hope to carry on. You light up my days and fill my nights with song. You guys love that song? I, you're like, you just were like, yay! <laughs> All right, so I was not around in 1977, so I just heard that song this week and I thought it was interesting. Just kidding, I've heard it before. And, and that song was about life becoming something more, something deeper. Something that's, that's complete and joyful, right? Like, you light up my... It's like, oh, so special. And there's many, many songs that speak about this desire to have the thing that, that fulfills me, that completes me. And, and what, it, what are all these songs about? They're about love. 
Oh, because Debbie Boone was singing about some boy, you know, right? Did she say she needed Jesus? Oh, really? Nice. My, uh, no, that's awesome. Because now my illustration is like a thousand times better. <laughs> so I thought she was totally like a carnal temptress. Like, but no, she's like, that's awesome. She was a believer. Who's Pat Boone? Okay. Didn't know. That's amazing. Okay. Well, this went a totally different direction than I intended, which is okay. So what we've, what we've seen in this is that love and the love of another person received is, into your life is like a light shining in a dark place. Before you know love, it's like you're in darkness, and then you know love, and now you're in the light. And it's just so nice. It transforms us. It completes us. It, it becomes the lens through which we see the whole world through, love. And, and generally, we search far and wide for the one who's going to love us enough to light up our dark hearts. Uh, but then we learn that people fail us. Boyfriends and girlfriends abandon us. Spouses betray us. Children turn away from us. People in general don't light up our world, even if they try their best. So what do we do? Do we give up? Do we resign ourselves to live in solitariness? Or to live in darkness and isolation and just as hermits in the mountains? Some people do. All right. Well, let's, let's look first, before we get into Exodus, let's look at John chapter 14. And uh, look at what Jesus uh, talks to us about here. John chapter 14, verse 16. Says, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and that's going to be the same as me coming to you because it's his spirit, right? So he says, after Jesus leaves the world, he's going to send the spirit to us. Um, while he was in the world, John chapter 9 says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, but Jesus isn't in the world anymore. He sent the Holy Spirit to be the light, to light up our life. Okay, um, God takes the responsibility for lighting up your life upon himself. Um, he will not disappoint you. And he, Jesus says here, I will not leave you in darkness, I will light up your life. Psalm, Psalm chapter 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Okay, so now let's go back to our text in the book of Exodus, chapter 25. 
And uh, we're going to be going through verse 31 through 40. And what we've discovered so far in the tabernacle is it, it really represents who? Jesus, right? Everything in the tabernacle is about Jesus. And you have the Holy of Holies, that most inner room where the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was. And, uh, and that was where it was called the mercy seat or the throne where God's presence would dwell. And that was behind a veil. And then outside that veil was some other things that we've been studying. We had the table with the bread on it. We have the uh, incense, which we're going to study next week. And we have the lamp this week. So as you, let's say we're walking into the tabernacle together, and behind this big veil here is the Holy of Holies. Well, outside of that is the room that we're in now, which is called the Holy Place. On the right is the table. On the left is this menorah right there. And then right in front of this would be the altar of incense. So we'll study that next week. And the lampstand that we're studying today, the bread was talking about communion with God because we eat the bread. It becomes part of us. And, and he's the table and he's the bread. He supplies everything we need to have communion with God. So that was important. This week, we're going to be studying how the lampstand or the menorah foreshadows Jesus as the power for fellowship and the light and the love of our fellowship. And it's going to be pretty amazing. And how the light talks about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to get into all that. So let's look at, at chapter 25, verse 31, and we'll read our, our text here. And you shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. Do you guys remember what pure gold represented in the Bible? Divinity, right? So this lampstand, it's made of pure gold because it represents Jesus or God, okay? Pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Do you think the Bible just put that in there for no reason? The Holy Spirit's right in the Bible and he's like, oh, I'll just hammered work sounds good. No, it's very important, okay? We'll get into that. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs and flowers shall all be of one piece. And six branches shall come out of its sides, three branches on one side and three branches of the lampstand out the other side. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on one branch and with an ornamental knob and a flower, and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so uh, for the six branches that come out of the lampstand. Now these bowls were for holding oil. And oil in the Bible is a picture of what? Anybody know? The Holy Spirit. 32 Jesus points for you guys. Good job. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So we're already starting to see that the Holy Spirit is being pictured as being a part of this lampstand. All right, verse 34. And on the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each with an, its ornamental knob and flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece. All of it shall be one hammered piece of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamps so that they shall give light in front of it. 
and its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold. Anybody know how much a talent of pure gold is? In pounds. Any guesses? 75 pounds of gold. So, that's pretty big. And see to it that you make it according to the pattern which was shown to you on the, mans- the lampstand. So who do you guys think this lampstand is going to foreshadow? That's right. So first we, we see that it was made out of beaten gold and it was ornamented, ornamented, I'm terrible at that word, with almonds and almond blossoms. And uh, the beaten gold speaks of Jesus being crucified and beaten for us so that he could become what we needed, which was the light that we're going to study here in a minute. It was made of beaten gold for a very uh, important reason, okay? Um, Then it it had these almond... Do do you guys remember Aaron's rod that budded that we studied before? What did that picture for us? What did it represent? New life, which we know as resurrection, okay? So this... This, the way that this lampstand is, is designed makes us think of Jesus being crucified, beaten gold, and the almond, those always speak of this new life. We've already had it in the tabernacle telling us almonds speak of new life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So isn't that cool? The lamp represents the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, was, he became the first fruits of the dead. And almonds are a fruit in the Bible. They're the first fruits. Okay, so Jesus became the first fruits of the dead for us. So even with the materials that made up this lamp that God instructed them, we see the person of Jesus and his work glorified. So why would Jesus be pictured like a lamp? Um, Well, let's look real quick at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 tells us about Jesus, and, and Hebrews is amazing. Look what it says. Who being the brightness of his glory. Jesus was the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. And, and it goes on to talk more about what Jesus did. But the part we're zeroing in on is he, Jesus, is the brightness of the glory of God. That's the way the author of Hebrews chooses to describe Jesus for us. Jesus is the light because he's the one who illuminates God for us. We wouldn't know anything about God really unless Jesus wasn't illuminating him to us. He's the one who shows us God, reveals God to us in our darkness. That's just who Jesus is and what Jesus does. He is a lamp. And what are lamps doing? They are designed to shine and reveal things. They help us see things, to show the truth and provide an atmosphere where things can be known. Jesus loves to be the light. He loves to show us what truth is, what reality is. So why do people run away from Jesus and run away from his light? The Bible says that they love darkness because their deeds are evil. And they don't want to know 
that there's judgment. They don't want to know that God is pure and holy and can't look upon sin because they only are seeing one part of the truth. They only are thinking about one side of the truth, which is that judgment side. If they could only know one other thing about Jesus and God, which is his love, they would be so quick to repent. That would be something that would change people. So let's see this reality even at the end of the world in the book of Revelation, that Jesus is the light. Let's see, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. It says, John, to the seven churches who are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. So in the book of Revelation, at the end of time, we see that there's seven spirits before his throne. How many lampstand toppy things are there? Seven, right. Do you think that's a coincidence? No, it's not. But what we see in heaven is very different from what we're seeing in the tabernacle. Because what we're studying in Exodus is, is the pre-version, it's the foreshadow. And what is in the tabernacle on earth that's not in the tabernacle in heaven? Does anyone know? In heaven, you have the throne and the seven spirits right before the throne all together. What is the difference in the tabernacle? The veil, the curtain is gone. Do you guys remember when the curtain was taken away? Right? When Jesus was crucified? Oh, man, this is getting really good. Just wait, just wait. In heaven, which is also our reality right now, okay, there is no veil. The veil was taken away or ripped in half when Jesus died. And you've got to remember that God actually, he, he ripped it from heaven. The, rail, the, the veil, it says, was ripped from top to bottom in the temple the, with a giant earthquake when Jesus died, which is amazing. All this shows God's design for us is to be in his very presence before his throne of grace with the light from the lampstand, which is like his Holy Spirit illuminating everything in the room. He wants us to abide in his presence. Why was there a veil? Because people couldn't just walk into God's presence. They would get killed. They were not holy. And so God had all these things set up so that they could be purified, so that one day a year the high priest could go in and could have that intimate relationship and sit before the throne of God or stand and, and talk with him face to face. But now there's a whole room. The whole Holy of Holies is open to you and to me. And that's why we have to study this because it's going to help us to understand what's been freely given to you by Jesus Christ. I love it. All right. So Jesus is sitting on his throne right now Jesus provides the bread for the communion and Jesus provides the light so we can enjoy everything in the room. Jesus is just all about you. He wants to serve you. He's done everything that you need to dwell in this room. There's food. There's light. There's protection. There's Jesus' throne of grace where you can come and ask for anything you need. Isn't this an inviting uh, atmosphere 
to come into God's presence? Instead of scary, like, ah, I don't know, I don't want to go to God because what if he gets mad at me? This is an inviting atmosphere where God is saying, please, come into my presence. I will provide your light. I will provide all that you need. So how does Jesus provide this light? It says here that it's cast out into the room from the lampstand as the Holy Spirit. In Revelation, it says the seven spirits of God are before. And, and that sounds weird, like there's seven spirits. We're going to, don't let that confuse you. It's just one Holy Spirit. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna explain that in just a minute. The lampstand is going to show us how this happens. The Holy Spirit is described as this light. So who is, whose spirit is the Holy Spirit? He's not some force like magnetism or like, you know, like we think of a force. He is the spirit of Jesus. He's what makes Jesus who he is. He is the very spirit of Jesus. And so let's turn to Isaiah chapter 11. And we'll see what is up with these seven spirits of God and, and the light being expressed from this uh, menorah that's going and bouncing off all the, all the walls in the, in the tabernacle are gold. So it's bouncing off all the golden walls and it's illuminating what we need to see. So in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, we see um, these verses here. And it shall come to, there shall come forth a rod... From the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow from his roots. Okay, who was Jesse? Anyone remember? David's father, right? So a rod or a, 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 a stick or a tree will come forth from the stem of Jesse. So the stem of Jesse is David. What's going to come from David is going to be Jesus. So Jesus is what is being talked in. The branch is, is another name for Jesus, shall grow out of his roots. And that means his descendants. So Jesus came, you know, like a thousand years later or something after David. And, uh, and that's what is being talked about. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of the Lord. Okay? So that is this first branch right here. It's called the spirit of the Lord. Then we're going to have two pairs that are all connected with the word and. Look, it says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and the knowledge of, uh, sorry, counsel and might. And then the spirit, this is the wrong, this is not a good menorah. This has the wrong number of branches. This is a Hanukkah menorah. I asked for a menorah. You get the idea. All right. So, Anyway, a real menorah has seven branches. I didn't even count. I just like looked at it, assumed it was. I'm not good on the details. <laughs> yeah, we'll just break, just ignore that. So, and then the final two are the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So you have one central stem and three pairs uh, on a seven-branch lampstand or menorah. Isn't that amazing how even the design of this is later described in, in Isaiah, and we're given actual names and, and descriptions of this sevenfold spirit that in the book of Revelation is called the spirit that is before the throne of God. And then it says that we are filled with that spirit, you and me, the moment we believe God's gift to us, is he says, I would give you 
the Holy Spirit. And so if you need to have the Spirit of the Lord, you have it. And if you need to have wisdom and understanding, you have it. And if you need to have counsel, you don't need a counselor, you need the Lord's counsel. And you need might, you need strength to overcome, the Holy Spirit is that for you. Hey, there's a better one. Should have just done that. Thank you, BK. You saved my bacon. All right. If you need the knowledge or the fear of the Lord, like, man, I just don't feel like I know the Lord. I, I don't feel like I even fear the Lord. The Holy Spirit says it's given to you. You don't have to work these things up yourself. I need might, so I'm going to give, give it all I got, and I'm going to make commitments, and I'm going to make promises. Jesus says, stop. I make the promises to you, and my promise to you is I give you might if you need it. I give you wisdom. I give you the Spirit of the Lord, which is me, my Spirit. I give it to you freely. So we have to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, For it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, That's this process of God giving his Holy Spirit into us, implanting you, light of my life. Right? You don't like that song? I like it. (laughs) Jesus does that. He lights up our life, the Holy Spirit. It says, you shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hebrews told us Jesus was what? The brightness of his glory. And here he says he gives the Holy Spirit into our hearts to give us that same light and brightness in our hearts. And then it's say here, uh, by the face of Jesus Christ. And what's the next verse? Anyone got, the, got it pulled up? And can read the next verse for me? Verse 7. Jeez, BK. All right. I was testing. I was giving someone a chance to... Anyway. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. What's the treasure? The Holy Spirit. The light that he's giving us, he says, is like a treasure. It's his very life implanted in us that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us because God never wanted you to try hard to be more cool or to do what you need to do. It's always his gift so that the excellency may be of him. Isn't that cool? All right. First thing we see about this lamp, going back to our tabernacle, and the lamp is, is shining light, is that the light showed the beauty of the lamp itself. 
So the first thing you would notice, your eyes would turn to the light as you walk in, and there would, you would see the lamp there, and you would be like, wow, that's a beautiful hammered piece of gold. And what does that represent? Jesus. The first thing the Holy Spirit does, and the first way you know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is when your attention is drawn to Jesus and his beauty and his sufficiency and who he is as being awesome. That's how you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some people think they're filled with the Holy Spirit when all they want is to do the right thing. Like, okay, it's about good works, and I want to glorify God by all my good works. Okay, but that's not the first thing that the light shines. That's a result. That's a fruit. That's not the primary heart focus of a Christian. The first thing the heart of a Christian sees and, and is illuminated by this light is the beauty of Jesus Christ and his sufficiency. In John sixteen fourteen, it says, He will bring me glory. He will bring me glory. The Holy Spirit will bring Jesus glory by telling you whatever he receives of me. He'll illuminate my heart and my will, and he'll give it to you, and that will bring me glory, Jesus says. Jesus is the best thing in the world. He's perfect in every way. Spending time with Jesus and thinking about him is the most satisfying and valuable use of our life every moment of the day. So that's the first thing. That, the, that this lampstand shines light on. The second thing is that it showed light across the hallway onto the table and the bread. Do you guys remember that we studied last week? Can you imagine sitting and eating in darkness? There's this restaurant in, uh, in L.A. where you can go and it's total, complete darkness and you eat a meal in darkness. And it's really weird. <laughs> Maybe because it's like, Crown burgers or something. Um, anyway, it's not, not an appealing way to eat because it, that doesn't provide for communion and fellowship. It's not a good, it's just creepy to eat in darkness. Um, so communion with Jesus is, get this, it's a complete mystery unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to your heart. Sometimes when we've gone to communion, it's like, man, I don't understand why this matters. I don't understand what Jesus, like, what the big deal is. Like, sometimes we go through really tough times where it's just a mystery to us. We don't, and then other times, coming and having communion with Jesus, like at home and in the, in the dark and, and, uh, and, and you have no one else but you and Jesus there, and you're just pouring out your heart to him, and you're reading the word, and it's speaking to you, and there's, tears and there's just joy and there's depth and you're like this is the best thing in the world and you try to explain it to someone and they're like you are so weird i don't know why you're so into this and like who are you talking you weren't talking about it was invisible and you're like no it was like i was pouring and i was eating and communion and i don't even understand and that's what this is talking about there's it's illuminated for you but for the world outside see this this room is is protected by walls and unless you enter in by faith into this relationship into god's presence you don't get this light so communion and the bread and the table is just like whatever if you don't and and if that's who we are right now where we're just like whatever with god then we're not in a good place 
We need the Holy Spirit. So how do you get the Holy Spirit? We just humble ourselves and ask. Say, I need you. I need your light to reveal to me what real communion looks like. You know? Because communion doesn't look like trying harder. Communion doesn't look like serving more. Communion doesn't look like um, giving more. Communion is sitting at the table and receiving Jesus for you. That's what communion with God looks like. He's not asking something from you. He's giving something to you, which is a different way to think about religion and Christianity and God. All right, so the third thing that he shines light on is it shows the altar, okay, the altar uh, of incense. This is something that we're going to study next week, but basically I'll just tell you right now, the light will show and teach us how to pray and how to worship. That's a preview sneak peek for next week. Fourth thing it shines light on is it says later in this chapter that the light shines before the Lord and before his throne, which is the throne of grace. Remember, there's already hints that this veil is eventually going to be ripped apart and this will all be one room, the throne and the, where the light is coming from. And so this, the Holy Spirit shows us that we need the grace of God, the very presence of God where his grace flows out, his throne of grace, that, that we need that. That is absolutely everything for us. We can't do anything ourselves. We have to abide in this room and receive all that we need from him. All right, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're almost done. So we've learned what the, what the lampstand shines on in the tabernacle, how its light is like the Holy Spirit um, illuminating and revealing to us. So now we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We were in 4 just a minute ago. Now we're in chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. But there might be people in here who still feel like there's a veil up. Where, where these rooms are still separated. You feel like there's a part of God that you have access to, like, like, um, like you could serve God, but God's actual presence you, you know nothing of. You're, it's, it's foreign to you. He, having that glorious connection with God himself is not your reality. And today we're going to find out exactly how, how that doesn't compute. That your reality, if you're a believer, if you've accepted Christ and acknowledged your sinfulness, your reality is that the veil is gone. It's faith that creates that. So let's look at verse 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord by faith, right, the veil is taken away now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So here we see that the Holy Spirit reveals to us Jesus, but not just Jesus. He reveals the love of Jesus to us, which trans transforms us. 
Now, how did I pull that out of here? It says, nevertheless, when one's turn turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So, the veil is taken away. How was the veil taken away? The, it says previously, the veil was Jesus, and it was like Jesus was ripped or broken or crucified. The veil was broken the same way. His body was the veil being broken. And when we put our trust in his body being broken, the veil is taken away. And it says here, now, when the, where the, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So now God is, is like this light shines in the whole room, and it says there's bringing freedom. So instead of me having to prove myself all the time, there's a freedom that I can be who I am. And I am a loser. And I am not perfect and not right. So in his presence, the Holy Spirit says, I know. And yet I love you and I cherish you and I've done, provided everything that you need. And so you may dwell in here even though you're not perfect. You are imperfect, but I provide everything for you. I do everything for you. So the Holy Spirit is showing us Jesus's love. That's what this light really is. And this love of Jesus, it says here, beholding we all, but we all with unveiled face. So now, now that we have this veil removed and we're starting to see that Jesus loves us, um, we, it says, we behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And this is referring to something called the law, where we kind of knew what God was like by the law. It was like in a mirror. But he says, we don't need that anymore because we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. So we don't need the mirror anymore because the Holy Spirit ministering to us God's love is transforming us into the, the real thing. We don't have to try to imitate it by, by bouncing off the mirror. We get transformed into the real thing. And now, remember that verse that says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste like the bread. See like the, like the um, lampstand. These things all connect with Jesus and what he's doing for us, that the Lord is good, that the Lord loves you. The Holy Spirit is illuminating for us in everything that he's illuminating in this tabernacle. He wants you to know this one thing. I love you, and so you're free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I love you, and so you're free. You are free even to fail. You're free to be imperfect you're free to not succeed because i will love you no matter what and that will produce in you a transforming where you actually do succeed where you actually are able to honor god with your behavior and with your actions and your works that's the transformation god says it goes this way i free you and i love you and that will produce change in your life it doesn't go like this. Change so that I can love you and you can be free. That's upside down Christianity. That is not the gospel. That is a works-based change so that I love you 
the gospel says, I love you and you're free and I change you. Isn't that a great difference? Amen? Okay. So Ephesians 3.19 says that Paul is praying for us to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. This light, and God says you can be filled with this light, this fullness of God, which is that he loves you. You can be filled with that. So every moment as we go through life, we can be filled with this knowledge that God loves me. Even though I fail, it doesn't matter. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. It changes who we are. When we believe that, it really changes who we are. And then the words of our song, our Debbie Boone song, really come back to mean something totally different when she says, you light up my life. You give me hope to carry on. And you light up my days and fill my nights with a song. The life of Jesus pouring his love into us transforms us and gives us hope and joy. So a couple questions as we end, and we're going to go into a time of worship and responding to what the Holy Spirit has been telling you, which is today that he loves you. Um, So questions for you. Is your life lit up with the light of Jesus? I was just going to say, is your life lit? I know, for all the millennials. But um, my, my wife was like, no, do not say that. <laughs> is, your wife, is your life lit up with the light of Jesus? Are you saturated with the Holy Spirit? Are you fully aware of how good and loving Jesus is? That's, what the whole, that's how you know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that you're living and dwelling in this place of light where the lampstand is lighting you up, do you really think that he loves you? Do you really believe it? Do you feel it? Do you know it? Jesus loves me. If you don't, here's the communion. And the communion will remind you. The Holy Spirit will use this communion as you break the bread and as you bite it and you remember his body being torn and broken for you. Let that show you that God loves you. And as you drink the cup and think of his blood being poured out, let that remind you that God loves you. He has proven his love. We, it can't be denied, but I'm, I'm afraid there's some in here and whoever listen, that, that aren't yet convinced in their heart that God loves them. And so they live in darkness. I don't want you to live in darkness. I want you to have the light of life, the, the love of Christ poured out into you. Believing is how we access this. Faith is how we... God, I'm going to believe that Jesus is the light of the world and that you love me. If you even have a heart that said, yeah, I want to pray that, but I don't understand it. But if you have the heart that says, I want to believe that, that was not you. The Holy Spirit gave you that heart. And so you're already on the way. You already have a connection with the Holy Spirit. And if you're in here today and you're like, I don't care at all, then you don't. You don't have that connection with the Holy Spirit yet. And so we'll pray for you. You should pray too. Because the Holy Spirit can give you that heart in a moment, saying, I want to know how much Jesus loves me. I want to believe it. 
that didn't come from you, that came from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Would you guys all stand with me? So church is not done yet. We're just uh, going to spend some time singing and coming to communion and, and uh, praising the Lord and uh, responding to all that he did. If you don't feel God loves you, if you don't know God loves you, come and pray with me. I'm going to be sitting right over here in the corner. Or if you have anything else to pray about. So um, just come over here and pray with me. Nathan is available to pray with. Any guy you want, anyone in here, you can just say, hey, would you pray with me? We're going to all come and surround you and, sh- and pray with you, okay? Um, so let's, let's bow before the Lord. Thank you, God, that you love us. And thank you that your Holy Spirit uh, even told me this week that I was loved. And, uh, Lord, you showed me my sinfulness. You showed me my impurities. But yet, God, you also showed me how greatly loved I am. And I thank you, God, because uh, that doesn't come, that message doesn't come from this world. It doesn't come from the ruler of this world. And it doesn't come from my own brain because all those things are corrupted and prideful and broken. But your spirit is pure and your spirit is lighting up my life. And I thank you for that because I need it desperately. And I pray, Jesus, that every single person in here would be able to uh, take communion and it would, it, would, it would be real, not fake. It would be um, from the heart and not just an outward action. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit does all this. Jesus, if you were here today, you would tell us one thing. You would look at each one of us in the eye. You would hold our hand and you would look at us intently and you would say that you love us. And that's what exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. Because that's, you take what is of Jesus and you give it to us. And I am so lucky to be able to serve a God who adores me and loves me. Thank you for helping me believe that. Jesus, we want to spend this time with you and uh, giving our lives, uh, just opening our lives to your love and asking you to move in this world and save our families, save our friends. Lord, we want to we uh, live for your kingdom, uh, but we want to be filled first with your life so that we can live for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.